When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 6.30 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad. Sacra to McDavid on the right half boards. Dishes Hall, one touch, wrist shot, score. Leon Dreisaitl, power play goal. From Carpat and Finland, Jesse Pouljujarvi. It's complete to John White across the 25 to the 20. White still going, touchdown Eskimos. Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. Now, Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Oilers and Eskimos, 630 Chet. Well, I'm back from Buffalo, everybody. Great to be home, and what a weekend it was. Certainly, the Edmonton Oilers busy at the draft. They didn't make any trades. They held on to all nine picks, and they got some promising players. We will talk about them tonight. The Edmonton Eskimos 0-1. Well, they were also 0-1 last year, so I'm not going to panic, but I know there is a little bit of cause for concern. We'll break down that game as well, and of course... We'll talk about the uh, controversial call by the officials of stopping the clock there to allow Ottawa to get the field goal unit on late in the game. I've broken that down, talked to some people, read the rule book rather than just responding with raw emotion. We'll get to that later on tonight. By the way, I'd be happy to hear from you when I was uh, in Buffalo. I was a guest on my own show with Dave Campbell hosting. Thanks to Dave for filling in. He was busy last week getting ready for the Eskimos home opener as well. And, uh, yeah, hoping to hear from you. Text 630-630. Call 780-496-0063. As uh, I'm happy to hear your thoughts on the draft, the weekend, thoughts on players. I'll leave it pretty wide open where we go from here with the roster. Reed Wilkins with you at 607 Inside Sports on 630 Chet. Matthew Panashik on the other side of the window tonight is our studio producer. And this portion of the show is brought to you by... Action Furnace, home of the fixed right or its free guarantee. Visit actionfurnace.ca. I, I, it's 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 always interesting reading the reactions of fans and and the as for for those of you on Twitter, you know what it's like. You get the instant reaction. You also you usually get the instant joy or anger. There usually aren't a lot of measured responses uh, on Twitter. If if you don't have Twitter. Maybe consider yourselves lucky. It can be an odd place sometimes. But seriously, I know there was a lot of, why didn't Shirelli trade anybody? Why, why, when's the big trade coming? How long am I going to have to wait? All that kind of stuff. Conversely, I also saw after the Oilers drafted Pugliarve, and let's face it, we, we didn't expect that to happen, so the Oilers jumped all over that opportunity. I saw, you know, line combinations being tweeted out that included all the forwards from last year, including Yakupov and including Hall, Everly, and Nugent Hopkins with Pugliarvi into the mix. And I, I just got to say to those people, 
How in the heck do you expect that to work? we got to be realistic here. 29th place last year, everybody. Something has to change. Somebody you like has to be traded. And as I've said before, I can break down the $6 million guys, and, and I, can, I can say, you know what? If this guy leaves, yes, it creates a hole in the lineup. There's no doubt about it. But I think you got to recognize this combination ain't working. And it doesn't mean they're bad people or bad players or that they're doomed to have bad careers or anything like that. But Shirelli has to look at it and say, all right, this spice with this meat, with this vegetable, isn't creating a tasty enough dish. So it, it's got to change. I think Paul yarvey has got a great chance to make the team. Very good playmaker. And... Think he can finish some plays. Maybe he gets to play with McDavid. Maybe he plays with Leon. I don't know if Nugent Hopkins is here next year. Um, but it, but if you're in the camp, and, and I, I saw people out there saying this, if you're in the camp, let's just hang on to everybody. Let's put another young forward into the mix and turn them loose. H- have we not tried that enough? Have we not seen that enough not really work? I mean, it's 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 got to be shaken up. Uh, BK says, hey, Reed, how about signing Lucic? I think that's a, a fine idea, but you'd have to trade another left winger. Uh, he, uh, BK wants to trade Hall for Falk and Everly for Hamannick. Great defense and still a great top six. I think Everly for Hamannick is realistic. Hall for Falk, I don't know. I think you're overpaying for Falk, personally. Steve is on the line. Hey, Steve, go ahead. Hey, thanks for taking the call. Uh, just a brief thought on the hockey and a brief thought on the football. Sure. Yes, uh, there is an opportunity for us to flip that fourth pick. We don't always have to automatically assume he's going to try and do a lot of line juggling and move one of the $6 million men. There is a, a possible opportunity that uh, that we could get a decent... Uh, he can be used in a decent trade to get a top-flight defenseman. I want to hear your thoughts on that. And then on the football, I think it was an excellent game. I mean, we made it... Yeah, there were mistakes all over the place, but bottom line, we lost in overtime. I think the team given what happened last year and the the newness of the squad this year i think the outcome was excellent and i'll uh, just hang up and listen to your comments sorry what was your what was your hockey question do you do i think they're going to trade pull pull the everybody i've i've been listening to the radio since the trade and everybody's like what are they doing getting a forward yeah there's no reason he couldn't be packaged in a in an, in another way to get us a top flight defenseman yeah, I, I, Steve, I, I, I don't think they would trade somebody they just drafted, um, be, and I think the cap is one thing there too, right? I mean, you, if you don't have the money, yeah, I mean, you don't want to. Would you trade a guy who's going to make the league minimum or the rookie minimum for a defenseman who's making four, five, six million? I, and and I, I, I don't think that that's something, Shirelli. You know what? If 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 they hadn't, and the Oilers are never going to admit it, and Bob Green was on. With Bob today and with Stoffer and said, "I'm I'm never going to tell you what we were planning if Pulleyarvey <laughs> wasn't available." Right. But I think they felt like, "Holy poo! This guy fell into our lap. We got to snap him up." So I think they really liked him, and I, and I think he was in their top three, and they got him at four. Well, let me make one final comment. If we don't get a, a top-flight defenseman, we're going to be staring in the face of 27th or 28th again next year. Well, I, 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 again, I don't think they're going to get a top-flight defenseman. I think they might be able to get a good, like above-average defenseman. 
but you're right. I still think the playoffs are, are, are going to be tough because okay, a lot sure. of things are still going to have to go right. Having said that, I mean, t- McDavid and Talbot are wild cards if they both have big seasons. Right. Have a good night. Okay, thanks, Stephen. He brought up the Eskimos game. We will uh, talk more about that a little bit later on. Armswar says... Uh, where'd it go? It just refreshed. He goes, I don't feel I didn't feel joy when the Oilers drafted Pulley It was more like roll on the floor laughter at the blunder that Columbus made. Ha ha ha. <laughs> that is from Armswar. Um well I I wonder if I mean there was a bunch being real. Why wouldn't Kekaline and draft the Finnish guy? You you gotta pay attention to the player, not the passport. I wonder how much influence John Tortorella had on that pick. He saw a, an all-round forward who works hard, and I wonder if John Tortorella in Columbus isn't fond of bringing in European players. I, I really do wonder if that's part of it. I, I know that was some hushed conversation at the draft. Uh, Dave Leppard says, to quote Einstein, the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over and expecting different results. I love all the Oilers, but they got to shake up the roster, and I believe different bodies will get us some much-needed spark. Uh, this texture says, wow, we just got a lot coming at once. Great pick for fourth, but what was Columbus, but what does Columbus know that Edmonton didn't about Pugliarvi? I'm happy we didn't get Subban at $9 million a year because McNugent, or why does he call him McNugget? Is that what people call Nugent Hopkins? Because Nugent Hopkins is, must mean McDavid, because McDavid is easily going to be worth 10 to $11 million in a few years. And with Subban, that would be one quarter over the cap. Lucic, another forward, really? That is from an unnamed texter. And, uh, all right, how about Nugent Hopkins and Yakupov for Lindholm? Possibly. Again, I just think throwing Yakupov into a trade at this point uh, isn't much of a isn't much of a throw-in. That's all I'm saying at that point. All right, 614. Tell you what we'll do. We'll take a timeout. Phone lines are open. More texts are rolling in. I, again, we usually I can't read all of them. I'll read as many as possible. 780-496-0063. And uh, we'll talk a little bit more about the first three guys the Oilers picked over the next hour. Puliarve, Benson, and Niemalainen. This is Matt Hendricks from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. All right, thanks for tuning in tonight. I can tell you that the uh, Edmonton Oilers have signed Iro Packer, ran into a one-year contract, 24 years of age. He played uh, most of the year in the NHL this past season, 63 games, three-quarters of the year, had 13 points. Uh, Packer in into me, fourth line player, maybe even fifth line, who can go uh, up and down from the AHL to the NHL. But, uh, you know, fair enough, adds a little depth to the organization. The Oilers issued a qualifying offer to restricted free agent David Museo. They did not qualify Luke Gazdick, Adam Clendenning, Kale Kessie, and Nicholas Lundstrom. I mean, clearly Clendenning brought in to help out late in the season when uh, the Oilers were banged up on uh, defense. Kessie uh, simply not developing. He was acquired in a trade for Tobias Reeder. Nicholas Lundstrom acquired uh, uh, for some depth goaltending to help the minor league team. So those aren't surprises. And uh, Luke Gazdick, 
always worked hard, always had a good attitude, and uh, I guess Peter Shirelli deciding that ultimately not the type of player who can contribute long-term to the Oilers. So they move on from Luke Gazdick. Justin Schultz, by the way, was not qualified by the Pittsburgh Penguins, so he becomes a free agent. Reed Wilkins with you, 620 Inside Sports on 630 Chet. Uh, Rowdy Yates, I find it so hard to judge draft picks so early. These guys can develop. They're so young. Just look at the past drafts like Duncan Keith. Everyone passed on him at least once. Now he's one of the best defensemen in the league. DB says no on Lucic for cap reasons. Once Pugliarvi is signed, there's a stack of performance bonuses on ELC's big bills on RFAs coming. Ron the Iceman says, uh, Reed, great draft. They seem like they had a plan going in. I'm happy with all the picks, and especially Benson and the third-round picks. I like Shirelli being patient and waiting for a deal that makes sense. That is from Ron the Iceman. All right. 780-496-0063. The text line is 63630. Bob Green was on with Stoffer earlier today. Of course, Bob Green, the former Oil Kings general manager. He's now the Oilers director of player personnel. Asked at what point he thought the Oilers had a chance at Pugliarvi. Well, we, we kind of heard that uh, uh, Columbus was sniffing around about moving that pick. So that, you know, told us that they were looking at something else or you know so we thought that you know maybe it was possible that they were looking at another guy or try another position or something like that so i mean we kind of knew there uh but it was still a bit of a surprise when it happened for sure all right green also asked if pulley rv compares it all to blake wheeler yeah i think so i i think uh um Maybe Wheeler uh, relies on his speed a little bit more with the puck to beat guys, whereas Jesse can certainly beat guys with speed, but he can also lean on guys a little bit and make it really tough to get get at the puck. And, uh, you know, it goes to the puck protection part of it. But, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's a good comparison. Wheeler, I think, maybe likes to shoot a little bit more. I think Jesse likes to make plays. He's probably got an underrated shot, but, but he likes to make plays first. Yeah, that's the interesting to me, thing to me about Puliarve. more of a playmaker than a shooter. So I think, I mean, some people have said, well, it's the Gretzky-Curry combination, which you know I hate. Let's not assign tags to these players based on Hall of Famers. I, I don't know if it's as simple as saying, well, now McDavid has a guy who's going to one-time the puck because, you know, I think Pugliarve is more of a playmaker. Now he's a bigger body, probably a better four-checker than some of the forwards the Oilers have. Um, maybe he sets up McDavid more than the other way around if if they get to play on the same line. Blake Wheeler, of course, went fifth overall back in 2004, and he's coming off actually his best season in the NHL as a 20 as a 29-year-old. He just had 78 points in 82 games for the Winnipeg Jets. We got James on the line. Hey, James, good to hear from you. What's going on? Thanks, Reed. Um, I listened to the interview with uh, Bob Stoffer and Bob Green, and, and I just got a sneaking suspicion that the Oilers might have had one or two proverbial irons in the fire if uh, if uh, if they would have taken uh, Kachuk. But you know, it was a no-brainer when Pulleyarvi fell into their lap. But you know, we'll, we'll never know because the, they'll never tip their hat at it. So yeah, think, well, you know. someday, someday they might. But yeah, I don't think. Certainly this summer they're gonna they're gonna tell you what happened. I I wonder, you know, I wonder if they would have drafted. Like I, I really thought they were gonna take Kachuk. I thought it was gonna go Matthews, Line A, Pugliarvi, and I I thought the Oilers were gonna take Kachuk. 
He did visit Edmonton. Dubois didn't. But, I mean, would have they would have they taken Sergachev? Would have they just said we're taking? Because I, I think the Oilers thought that he was the best defenseman available. The Canucks obviously didn't. Uh, well, if, they, if they would have traded it down, like the the, the uh, rumors were saying, that they might have taken a Sergachev, you know, like 7, 8, 9. Or, well, that's or the something. thing. Maybe they still would have got him at 7, 8, 9 if you would have flipped with uh, who was there, uh, Buffalo and Montreal, and was it Carolina in the other spot? Right. No, Carolina wasn't there. But uh, I, I don't know what uh, Shirola was wearing, a lucky tie or a rabbit's foot or what, but... Uh, the, the the luck of drafting continues for for Oilers. Well, I, I was saying that too. I, I mean, you look at last year; they replaced Akins, and they were awful. And they still weren't a very good team under Todd Nelson, but they played a little looser. They they seemed to be having a little more fun, and they moved up to twenty eighth. And people thought that was horrible because they messed up the draft odds. In, instead, it turned the lottery odds. Instead, it turned out to be the perfect spot. And then this year, it was like, well, at least hopefully they're one of the top three teams drawn. They weren't, and they still get a guy they would have drafted in the top three. So they the were very lucky. The difference is, is, is Paul Jarvie will play this year, and uh, there's a spot for him, I would think, and, and I don't know if uh, Kachuk would have been ready. Well, I, yeah, I think Paul Jarvie's got a very good chance to play for two reasons, because one is unfortunate, is that they're thin on the right wing, because that's why Dreisaitl played as a rookie. It's because they had nobody else at center. But the thing I like about him is is the size and it seems like the willingness to forecheck and establish body position and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, and, and just one thing on the Packer Rennan sign, and it's, it's a no-brainer. I mean, another guy on another show just be, or another station just before yours said they, they had to sign Packer Rennan because uh, Paul Yarby hardly speaks any uh, English and they need a, a translator for him. Well, I'm sure I'm sure that's an issue. I mean, Packer in, and I, I mean, I just think he ha- probably has to be on your fourth line and maybe an occasional third liner. I don't know if he's ever gonna. I, I personally, with Packer in, and I thought maybe he'd be able to produce a little bit more point wise. I don't know if if that's going to be there at the NHL level. All right, uh, Reed. Thanks. I know you got to go to uh, the news, so thanks for the time. All right, James. Thanks a lot for uh, calling seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. Bob Green also asked about Pulleyarvi. How many viewings did he have? What did he like? So well, we had a lot, and um, well, you, you know what? There's there's not much that you don't like about him. He's big. He can skate. He's a strong player. He's strong on the puck. He can make plays with the puck. Uh, he can really shoot. Uh, you know, he he can he can score or make plays. Uh, finishes checks when he needs to. He just has a, a really good knack at, at getting the puck to the net, uh, one way or the other, and uh, plays in straight lines and and you know, fairly simple game really, but just really good at what he does. All right, so there's a few thoughts from Bob Green as the Oilers take Jesse Pugliarvi, fourth overall in the draft. Get a whole bunch more good recap from the weekend by Brendan Ulrich on the Oilers page on 630Ched.com. We're going to morph into talking about Tyler Benson and Marcus Niemalainen. Second-round pick Tyler Benson, third-round pick Marcus Niemalainen. Both uh, intriguing prospects to me. The Blue Jays getting ready to go in Colorado. Tonight, Tulowitzki back in Colorado for the first time since being traded to the Jays last year. Marco Estrada will pitch for the Bluebirds. He's 5-3 with a 2.70 ERA. Blue Jays 5 behind first place, Baltimore in the American League East. We'll get into some Eskimos talk later on as well. Oh, Euro today. Iceland over England. We got a great goal call from the 
Icelandic play-by-play announcer that you'll enjoy. We'll get to that too. We're back after the news. You're listening to 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Oh, little GNR coming back from break. Love that track, Matthew Panashik. Thanks for tuning in tonight. Inside Sports on 630 Chad. The Montreal Canadiens traded for Andrew Shaw on the weekend. They have just signed him to a six year contract. More on that as we move along tonight. Got a text here. Do you think there's a chance Justin Schultz might be back? I do not. I do not think Justin Schultz will be back with the Edmonton Oilers. Then again, I was pretty convinced they were going to wind up drafting Matthew Kachuk, so you never know. In the second round, 36 overall, the Edmonton Oilers got Tyler Benson. Here's Director of Player Personnel Bob Green on Benson falling into the second round. Yeah, we were thrilled. Uh, you always liked Tyler. Of course, we had his older brother with the Oil Kings, and we knew the family very well and the quality of the of the kids. But um, I always liked Tyler as a player. And, you know, he had some bad luck this year. I, you know, it was, an, it was an injury that resulted from something non-hockey-related. And uh, it, it was a result of probably trying to come back a little bit too quick from uh, uh, from that surgery and then not uh, getting enough done on, on his core strength re- rehab-wise, and it affected him a little bit, and then it nagged him and nagged him. So, you know, it was unfortunate for Tyler. I, I, I You know, I know he really wanted to play a full schedule of games this year and, and show everybody what he could do and, and enhance his draft, but it just didn't turn out that way for him, and we – Saw him last year at the Holenka, and he was excellent there. I, I thought he was their best forward uh, in that tournament. And, um, you know, with his size and his strength, his maturity, uh, he's, he's got elite hockey sense. He just, he's got a lot of excellent tools, and, and uh, you know, he's going to find a role and, and, you know, whatever it is. Like, he can do a lot of things on the ice. He can play on the power play, he can kill penalties. He can do a lot. So, you know, we were very excited to get him with that uh, pick at 32. All right, so Tyler Benson, yeah, out of the Vancouver Giants. And a guy who knows Tyler Benson very well, coached him when Benson had that huge year in Bantam with the Southside Athletic Club in the 12-13 season. All Benson did was rack up 100, 146 points in 33 games. His old coach, Taylor Harnett. Taylor, welcome back to the show, man. How are you doing? I'm good, Reed. How are you doing? Thanks for having me. Yes. Uh, look, I know you've crafted out your own career, so I'm somewhat uh, apologetic to introduce you as uh, Tyler Benson's coach, but I think it's a uh, a label you're proud to wear. Yeah, definitely, especially after Sunday. It was uh, it was a very proud day for myself. I, I uh, You know what? I, I, I got up right and early, and uh, I was hoping it would be Friday, but uh, I got up right and early, uh, Saturday morning, yeah, Saturday morning, and uh, and was uh, was uh, it, uh, it definitely was one of the best days I've had in a while. So very proud. Let me ask you this: you you know Tyler very well. the The numbers he put up with your team were astronomical offensively. 
But, you know, a lot of players can do that when they're a teenager. What do you think will, will separate him as he tries now to pursue an NHL career, besides, you know, being able to, to do things with the puck? Well, one thing that I really remember when I first met Tyler, when I, you know, uh, what was very, very, uh, you know, obvious was his determination. Um, you know, he, he uh, you know, as a first year Bantam, uh, we had him there, and, and uh, you know, he was, you know, he fit right in really well with, uh, with playing on the line with Georgia West, the fan, and you could just see his compete level. That's one thing fans should be, you know, um, very, very uh, happy to know that we've got a player that really, really wants to win here. Uh, he really wants to do whatever it takes to win, and, um, you know, he, um, um, you know, as far as his, his, his preparation, I, one thing about Tyler, I guess I can sum it up here real quick, is, is and I told somebody this earlier today, was um, you know the one season there, the season that we uh, that he set that record. Um, you know he set a he set a couple of goals that year. We talked about it at the start of the season. Uh, you know he he told me that he he wanted to he wanted to go for that scoring title, and uh, you know um, usually that's something players keep to themselves, and and you just you know um, you, you you know you stay away from talking about individual stats. But I knew at the end of the day that. If he did, I mean, we were going to be really successful. But the biggest goal that he set was he wanted to win a Western Championship. And we did that. We did that. Uh, we were in the gold medal game the year before and came up short. Uh, one of, you know, came up with a silver. And uh, his goal was to, first and foremost for his team was to win Western. Second was to get that scoring title. And, uh, you know, he, uh, he definitely accomplished both of those goals. So, Going into you know now his goal is to get an NHL contract and be an Edmonton Oiler, and uh, that's what he's going to focus on. And I, I've got no doubt in my mind that uh, you know he's going to be wearing that jersey probably sooner than people think because of his determination. So, do you have a favorite Tyler Benson uh, moment, goal, story, anything like that? Uh, yeah, there's a few of them. I mean. Stuff off the ice with that. You know, coaches and players, they do some, a lot of team bonding stuff to this, you know, good Christmas parties and the good stories. Paul, I do, uh, you know what, I, I do actually have a, a good story, but uh, I'll try and tell it as quick as I can here. A lot of people talk about uh, when Tyler, um, you know, when he broke that record, Tyratty's record, um, it, it, there was a lockout season that year. So there was a lot of, a lot of interest from local media and, and national media. And everybody was following him, and, and we had a lot of uh, we had a lot of people showing up at rinks, and, and you know he was signing autographs after, and it was something that you know I'd never been a part of at the minor hockey level to see that. Um, and but the night he broke the record, and uh, you know that's kind of kind of me uh, telling the end of the story before I tell it. We were in Camrose, we were playing Camrose, and and uh, you know they had a fairly fairly decent team, and. And uh, one of the parents came up to me and asked me before the game, Tyler had, uh, I think the record was 131 points or something like that. And Tyler had 100 and I think he had 100 and he was, he was 10 points shy. So he was, you know, he needed, uh, he needed 10 points to break the record. And uh, one of the parents came up to me and said, you know, do you uh, want me to let the, the timekeeper know that if Tyler ends up breaking this record, there's a lot of people here watching him that probably they want to know. 
And I, I looked at him like he was crazy because I knew Tyler was 10 points shy of the record and I didn't want to be, you know, I didn't want to come across as the, the arrogant club that's walking in there thinking that this kid's going to break his record tonight because everybody knew what was on, what was going on. And a lot of, a lot of games, you know, Tyler would have five, four or five points halfway through the game. And, and, uh, you know, I, my coaching staff, we would back him off a little bit, you know, um, wouldn't play him as much. We put him in different situations, just, you know, for several reasons. A lot of coaches do that. Tyler wasn't a big fan of it, and nor did I expect him to be, but he always understood it was for the better of the team. He never, ever complained, and, uh, you know, but he wanted to play. And that game, I remember it uh, very clearly because in the first period, uh, I think he had two assists. And the second period, he had two assists. So we're going into the third period, and I think we were up 6-1, or no, 6 nothing. And um, um, 10, minutes, 10 minutes into the, into the third period, um, he's, uh, you know, he's got an assist. So he's got five points. So I, I, I mentioned to my coach, I remember looking at him and saying, okay, we're going to, my forward coach at the time, Tyler Thompson, and I remember saying, okay, well, we're going to, Let's back him off a little bit. Well, Tyler heard me, and he turned around and he looked at me, and he gave me a look like I've never seen before from him. And it wasn't it wasn't a bad look. It wasn't a negative look, but it was a look like, Coach, listen, you know. So I, I leaned over. I said, Tyler, all right, you know what? Let's uh, let's not back him off. Camrose was kind of gooing it up a little bit, and I thought, okay, we'll let him loose. And uh, he ended up getting. Uh, five points in the last 10 minutes of that game and, uh, oh, broke the record with a minute left and I believe a minute left in the in the and uh and the fans there cheered for him they knew what was going on he had he had people lined up for autographs after the game and but you know what if 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 uh if he wouldn't have turned around and looked at me like that I would have held him back he wouldn't have broke the record that night he would have eventually broke it um but he wouldn't have done it we had five games left in the season and the pressure was off and that was done and and um, so that's 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 a story I have about Tyler. I haven't told that to too many people because, you know, that's uh, something between coaches and players. But it, it it to me that just shows everybody what type of Edmonton fans, what type of player we're getting. I mean, that was only three years ago, you know, and he's no different today. I mean, his determination level is just it's you know it's above the charts. And uh, yeah. I, another player that game I've got to, I've got to mention here quick, and I'm sure I don't know if you have another question for me. David Quinville, local guy, got trapped by the Islanders. He right. had seven points that night through that game. So, oh, got to give Davey a shout out. Yeah, that was a special team. Well, I know Tyler was thrilled to be drafted by the Oilers. So, I, you know, I hope it progresses well for him here over the next couple of years. Taylor, thanks for coming on on short notice too to share those stories. Really, really appreciate the context there. Yeah, just one quick thing. One quick thing. Um, Tyler's number 17, so we're going to have to figure out what we're going to do because I think there's one hanging in the rafters. You're a good point. Yeah, good point. Maybe he'll be 71 by the time he gets here or, or <laughs> some, eight. Probably, I don't know. You, you probably <laughs> just nailed it right there. Okay. Take See you, Taylor. Thanks for having me on. That is Taylor Harnett. Great story there about Tyler Benson breaking the uh, Bantam scoring record a few years ago. Yeah, Tyler Benson. I, he Big grin on his face. Uh, let, again, injury-riddled season. I think if he's healthy, he's not there at 32. The Oilers happy to get him. They were also happy to get defenseman Marcus Niemalainen out of the Saginaw Spirit. We'll talk to the general manager of that team to tell us how Marcus's season went. That's when we get back. <laughs>
You're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Edmonton Sports Leader, 630 Chad. Other news today, a new contract for Philip Forsberg in Nashville. Six years, $36 million. Uh, Hall of Fame. New inductees for the Hockey Hall of Fame. Eric Lindros, Rogie Vashon, Sergei Makarov, and... Pat Quinn, the late Pat Quinn, spent one year as coach of the Edmonton Oilers. Talk more about that with Bob Stoffer coming up between 7 and 7.30 tonight. Just uh, kind of focusing on the Oilers' first three picks from the draft over the weekend. We talked about Jesse Pugliarve, talked about Tyler Benson. What about Marcus Niemelainen, big six foot five defenseman out of the Saginaw Spirit and director of player personnel Bob Green, Surprised to see Nini Malinen there, 63rd overall in the third round. Yeah, guys always, guys always say they were surprised when somebody was there. So I, I don't like saying that. We were happy he was there. Um, you know, it was a tough year for him in, in some respects. Coming over here um, and, and playing in North America is really difficult uh, for kids. It's a different way of life, and, and uh, the hockey is, is a lot different than what they're used to. So there's a big adjustment period for those kids. Um, you know, and I think Marcus experienced some of that. Plus the fact that that you know two of their coaches, you know, before before Christmas, their defensive coach was fired and sagging on, and after Greg Gilbert got fired, and uh, you know, so I think it was there was a lot of tough things for him to go through. But having said that, he had a pretty good year, and you know, where I really saw a change in him was when he was a little bit more comfortable playing with their national team in, in North Dakota. I thought he was excellent at that tournament. And really stepped up and played the type of hockey that we saw him play last year uh, at the Holinka, and uh, you know, kind of what we projected him to, to play in Saginaw. So he, he's a big, lanky kid that can really skate and move the puck, and, and um, you know, played more of a, sh- a shutdown role in in um, in, uh, in North Dakota. But he but he's able to bring more than that, I think, offensively. He had 27 assists this year, and. and uh, you know, he, he, he would like he likes to to um, to handle a puck a little bit more and skate the puck, which he can do and, and uh it'll be interesting to see how his game evolves here in the next year or two. Yeah, it, it sure will. A, a guy I think with a lot of potential, as a lot of the players in the draft do, but he but he seemed to be uh, moving along pretty well with the Saginaw Spirit. Some people thought he might even sneak into the first round. The Oilers get him in the third, and a guy who saw him play every time he was out there this season is Dave Drinkle. He's the general manager of the Saginaw Spirit, and he joins us now. Dave, welcome to Inside Sports. How are you doing? I'm doing great. How about yourself? I'm doing very well. Thanks a lot for taking the time to join us on Inside Sports. And I know there's always pride, not just for the player and his family, but for the whole organization when, when somebody gets drafted. So it must have been a nice day to be a member of the Saginaw Spirit on Saturday. Yeah, do you know what it was? Anytime you sit back and go to the draft and uh, you know, you sit with the families and watch the players get drafted no matter what round it's in and watch them you know, achieve one of the goals they've had in life, it's uh, very rewarding for everybody. And you know, a very uh, tear-jerking moment, I guess you could say. You really feel it with the family and as an organization. We're, we're very proud when our guys get selected, and it was a great day on Saturday having three guys taking them drop. You know, for, for Marcus Niemelainen, who the Oilers got in the third round, there were some people who thought he might even be able to go as high as late in the first round. So, you know, there's always that, that type of thing going into a draft where you, you don't know where a guy is going to fall. But but first of all, tell us a little bit about Marcus joining uh, your organization and that, uh, you know, why you thought he'd be a, a good prospect to have in the OHL? 
Yeah, absolutely. We selected Marcus last year in the import draft, and he came over here as, as a 17-year-old in North America for the first time and you know, left his native country to come play in the OHL to try to reach his dream of being an NHL prospect and player and kind of get drafted. And You know, we, we saw him play at the under-17s last year in Sarnia for Team Finland, and we thought he was phenomenal with tremendous upside. Um, he's six five and a half, um, just over two hundred pounds. He's got reach. He can skate like he's five ten. He's he's silky smooth that way and has a ton of potential. I think um, the intriguing thing with Marcus when we drafted him, and, and the intriguing thing I'm sure for Edmonton when they drafted Marcus was his potential. Um, I think he has a very high ceiling, and he has any scratched surface of what he can be. And when he does finally reach his potential in a few years, I think uh, all of their fans are going to be very very happy because he's going to be a defenseman that'll log a lot of minutes for them down the road. Yeah. How did he handle the transition? Because look, I think sometimes we forget how young these these men are. These you know young men are when they when they come over to to Canada. I mean, I look at Marcus and I'm thinking, okay, he's coming to a place with a different language, with a little bit of a different culture. The hockey is a little bit different. The ice surface is certainly different. It can be a lot to handle. How did he deal with all those transitions? Yeah, I think anytime you have a European come over like that, there is a lot of transition for them. And like any of them, there is bumps in the road, and Marcus had those bumps, but he definitely overcame it well. I think uh, the important thing was with Marcus is he, he was taken under the wing by an overage defenseman on our team, Will Peschnick at the time. They spent a lot of time together, and Will really helped him transition um, to the North American lifestyle, anything from food and what to eat to how to train to uh, you know different in, ins and outs in the OHL, being a 68-game schedule and a pro-like schedule, and and Marcus adjusted well. I think, you know, he did, like any young guy coming to the league, they do hit a wall at times where, you know, after three games and three nights, it's a lot, especially for a guy that plays a lot of minutes. But he overcame it well. He's a great, great person. Um, he took regular high school courses over here with the rest of our English students. So, again, that was another tough thing for him to do. But he handled it very well, and I think he comes from such a great family. definitely made it easier for him. Dave Drinkle joining us on Inside Sports, general manager of the Saginaw Spirit. The Oilers took defenseman Marcus Niemelainen from the Spirit in the draft on Saturday. Got to have a very brief talk with him on Saturday. Mar uh, Dave, he did say, hey, you know what, I I'd like to work on my shot and my offensive game a little bit. Uh, you know, fair fair assessment of, of the young man and maybe a goal for the upcoming year? Absolutely. I think, you know what, like any young kid, though, they can always improve parts of their game, but Marcus is, is bang on, I think. This shot and offensive game, again, has a high upside, but he hasn't scratched the surface of that yet. And I think this year, um, you know, he's going to get more power play time. He's going to be putting more opportunity to be that offensive type of defense than we think he can be during the rush and, and using his shot to his advantage. But uh, he's a very bright individual, like I said, and, and I think he can figure out things really quick. But he also knows what he has to prove on, and he works on those things. And I think that's a lot different than... A lot of kids. A lot of kids want to practice what they're good at instead of what they're not good at, and, and instead of working on what needs to be done to get to the next level. And he's definitely uh, one of those type of guys that wants to work on things. So much of the game now, Dave. You know, the NHL is that quote-unquote play the right way thing, which is something I get think gets overused a little bit. But but it basically comes down to work ethic, decision making, and a lot of it is just body position and willingness to get to the right place or or you know do the little things to delay another guy from getting the puck even if you can't get it cleanly how is he in sort of some of those you know those little battles and all those little details and body position things that happen on the ice i think it's coming for him i think obviously there's room for improvement um but the thing that marcus has going for him that a lot of people don't is his size i think he has the ability to, to get quote unquote get in the way of players 
um, because of positioning. That, as his positioning improves and as the game starts slowing down to him as he gets older and he's been to NHL camps and he comes back to the Ontario Hockey League, he's only going to get that much better. Um, he's a player that we really take under our wing and we're going to be taking under our wing more to work with because he's a key part of our team going forward and he's willing to learn and work on that. So his positioning will keep getting better. Um, his battles will keep getting better. And he, he has a great stick in battles, so he just needs to use his sides a little bit better and and he knows that, but he's definitely uh, working to improve that. And I think with age and with confidence, all these things come a little bit at a time, and, and you see a whole different player when they get older. Yeah. Dave, before I let you go, I mean, I should ask you a, a question about about, uh, about Saginaw and about your season. I I know, you know, I, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but I'm guessing you, you would have hoped the win total was a little higher, and I know you had some challenges with the coaching change and stuff like that. And it, it sounds like one of those seasons, maybe there were a few uh, bumps in the road, but, but how do you look at it, and uh, how do you look at the prognosis for the season ahead? Yeah, last season I always say everybody's a bit of a roller coaster for everybody. Um, obviously, anytime you don't win the championship, it's disappointing here. But even finishing eighth, we, you know, we, I, in my mind, we underachieved and could have been better um, with the roster we have and a lot of the guys returning. We do expect um, you know better things ahead here for Saginaw Spirit, and we have young players that are getting older, like Marcus, that are going to naturally, you know, if they keep pushing, get us to be a better team. So we're excited about the season coming up. But yeah, last season. Um, you know, we go through that stretch where we win five of six and then lose seven in a row and then win, win seven of eight. Um, very much up and down, and we need to get more consistency and stability in our game. I think that is the product of being a little bit young, but like I said, we are aging and getting older in the league and, and bringing more, you know, top-end players in, and that's only going to make us better for the future. Well, I hope Marcus is one of the guys leading the way. We'll definitely be keeping an eye on him. Dave, thanks so much for joining us on Inside Sports tonight. All the best. Well, thank you very much for having me. I appreciate that. Dave Drinkle, general manager of the Saginaw Spirit Oilers third-round pick, Marcus Niemelainen, big defenseman. He'll take on more responsibility with the Spirit this season. We will watch how he handles it. Bob Stoffer with some draft thoughts, Hall of Fame thoughts, when we get back Inside Sports on Chad. 6.30 Chad, Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad.